Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. My name's Carl Truman. I'm a professor at Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania. And I'm here as always with my friend and co-host, the Reverend Todd Pruitt, who is pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Good to see you, Todd. Good to see you, Carl. You know, every once in a while, you get all of that information correct. I did. <laughs> On those days when you do that, I feel like, you know, it's a brand new day. Yeah. Um, the birds are singing. The sun is shining. Carl got all of my information correct. Here's a man that I communicate with almost on a daily basis, and he still sometimes forgets some of those basic things. So I'm, I'm feeling really good about myself today. I'm glad you're feeling affirmed because we need you to feel that you are in a safe place today. I, because I'm a little worried. I'm a little concerned. I think for the first time in many years, uh, the OPC is going to heavily outnumber the PCA yeah. on this podcast yeah. because we have two special guests. Our guests are David Nackler and Tim Hopper. Uh, David is the administrator of the Committee on Diaconal Ministries in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and Tim is a member of that committee and also a deacon within the OPC. And we brought them on because we've talked a lot over the years about the eldership. We've talked a lot about the role of pastors. We've talked a lot about the duties of congregants. I'm not sure that we've ever talked about the role of the diaconate. Todd, uh, do you recall? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, oh. you know, I, we've mentioned it here and there, but I don't think we've ever had a program where we've really focused on this office of ministry. Yeah, and yet it's an extremely important office. Extremely. Uh, often, of course, treated as, in the popular imagination, it's like a sort of consolation prize for somebody right. who isn't an elder. It's a training mm -hmm. ground for the eldership. That is not the biblical position. So right. we brought David and Tim on today because we want to talk about the biblical grounding of the diaconal ministry, what it looks like in the OPC, what it might look like in, in your local church, and how really it is a, a critical, a vital part of a healthy church uh, in the 21st century. So David and Tim, thanks for giving us your time. Our pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. And it's a very impressive gun cabinet behind you as well. <laughs> we're, we're now we're dealing with a serious OP guy at this point. Yeah, yeah. I just want everybody to know that even though we're not in the same room, if I'm ever in the same room with anybody from the OPC, I'm going to feel well guarded. So that's a good thing. <laughs> well, David, perhaps we'll start with you. Uh, some of our listeners from different denominations or traditions uh, may have different understandings uh, of what the diaconate is. Could you outline for us what you think the, the biblical grounding for the diaconate is and, and how that is manifested in, in the OPC uh, today? Sure, yeah. Um, we like to go look back to uh, Acts 6 as as the place where the diaconate was established and the setting there, if you recall, was the, um, the, 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 the brothers in the church were concerned that some of the, some of the widows were not being cared for. And, um, 
And so the apostles um, agreed that this was, it would not be good to, for them to um, set aside the ministry of word and prayer um, to wait on tables. Um, and yet at the same time, they saw that this was a very important ministry, um, the ministry of mercy, ministry of compassion. And so they, um, in, in, in their wisdom, uh, by divine inspiration, they, um, they asked the church to set aside seven men, uh, godly men, uh, who would be, um, who would oversee the ministry of mercy to the, to the widows, at that time, and that's where we see the origination of the office, the qualifications being set forth in First uh, Timothy, um, right there next to the qualifications for elder. And so, I oftentimes, in simple forms, think of it as the elders are those who are concerned for the spiritual needs of the flock, and the and the deacons are there to be concerned for the physical needs uh, of this of that same flock. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. I was I was with a group of um, officers, elders, and deacons uh, from a, uh, a Presbyterian church in Leesburg, Virginia, recently, and just had a great time with these with these brothers. And one of the things that, um, just in my own preparation and sharing some things with them, was going back to the passage you mentioned, uh, David, as as well as some other passages of scripture, just in descriptions of of diaconal ministry and the. There's not a ton of it in the New Testament, but enough that we know several key things that were, it, it was just a great reminder for me that, that, you know, when, when the office of deacon is, is created, it's, it's created by the, the handpicked um, representatives of Jesus, the apostles. Therefore, it, it's established by Jesus because it's yeah. being established through him by his apostles. This is an office that comes by way of, of apostolic authority, meaning it, it comes to us from Jesus. and. And that in a very real way, the office of deacon, like the office of elder, but the office of deacon um, is a a major means by which Jesus loves his church. It's mm. a major means by which Jesus cares for his church. That's an extraordinary thing to think about if you are one who bears that office, or if you're a church member who's not an office bearer, but you benefit from the ministry of, of deacons. What, what you're benefiting from is a God-given means by which Jesus cares for and loves the church. What a what a great calling that is. Mm. Amen. And, and and sobering too, I would imagine. I've never been a deacon. Mm. And I'm sure it's quite sobering when you think about it in those terms that, you know, the Lord's placed these responsibilities in our hands. It's a great thing, but a sober thing, isn't it? Mm. I think it's it's a joy in many ways. I mean it is certainly sobering, but it's a joy that yeah. Um, you know, as we're all called to um, follow Christ in his service, who, you know, Christ, the one who came not to be deaconed, but to, to deacon mm-hmm. to, yeah. uh, and we're all called to follow in those steps, but uh, uh, to be particularly set apart, um, to set an example and, and to serve and to deny, deny ourselves for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a great privilege uh, for us. Yeah. Go, well, Carl, I wanted to ask one more thing. It, I mean, we're going to be talking some about kind of, you know, deacon in essence being a, a role of, of service. We also know that it is a formal office and there are certain kind of leadership function. I mean, th- th- there are some leadership decisions that deacons have to make. You know, you guys aren't just there sweeping up. There are key decisions you have to make. I mean, when I think about what the deacons do at our church in terms of helping people, you know, making decisions about the distribution of funds, 
um, providing financial counsel, making calls on some of these things. Before we get into the bigger bulk of 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 the of, of the types of service that the deacon is called to render, um, there 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 are ways in which um, being a deacon crosses into that role of of spiritual leadership. Not in the same sense as the office of elder, but it's still there. I mean, one of the reasons why, for instance, uh, the PCA and I would guess the OPC is the same way. Why why we believe this office is reserved for men? One. That's the indication from scripture. And when people object and say, well, no, it's just a servant role. Well, it is a serv- servant role, but there's a spiritual leading component to being a deacon. It, it, it is, isn't, that, isn't that the case? And what does that look like? One observation you get, and maybe in many ways through experience, is when people have particular diaconal needs and they come to you for or maybe you seek them out for you know financial help or um, you know, sickness at various things at ways in which we can serve them. Uh, how frequently those that itself is going to be tied to a spiritual need that potentially is a greater need than mm-hmm. a financial need. I mean, you know, we've all been in various times in our lives and times when the finances are tight, and um, that's a time when we have to trust the Lord. And when mm-hmm. a, a, you know something disastrous happens. Um, and you know, we do have very real physical needs. Mm -hmm. Um, those are always going to almost always going to be a a spiritual test force as well. And that's an opportunity for deacons, um, to be offering counsel Mm -hmm. and and wisdom. Um, and I I think you're very much hitting the nail on the head there, Mm -hmm. Todd. Mm -hmm. Now, when you when we think about deacons, I mean, the reason we've got you two guys on here is there's a sort of twofold dimension to to your ministries, and there's the local ministry, but also David coordinates a, a kind of denominational wide diaconal ministry as well. Uh, so, sort of the same question to to each of you, Tim first, then David. Tim, uh, tell us about the typical kind of work that a local church deacon does locally. And then David, perhaps you'd like to talk about the the distinctive connectionalism that you tried to develop and what sort of work you you do in terms of coordinating the denominational diaconate, not just the local church diaconate. So Tim, fire away. Sure. Um, So I think there has been some amount of debate historically in Reformed churches as to the the scope of the the deacon's service. And in the OPC, our Book of Church Order explicitly gives deacons um, care over the ministry of mercy within the church. Um, So these these issues of uh, financial needs and and sickness, loneliness, uh, ways in which we can show mercy in our own congregation. In many churches, uh, including my own, we would also see the role of the deacon as really overseeing and facilitating anything that's going to enable the ministers and elders to focus on, on the call that the Lord's given them to, um, you know, Acts 6 talks about preaching and praying. So in our church, uh, we see our role as um, certainly this ministry of mercy, uh, but also just keeping things running at the church. Uh, we oversee most of the finances. We, we keep the building running. Uh, we do most of the administrative work and and not necessarily the deacons do all that ourselves, but you know, where that's delegated, that's delegated through the deacons. And, um, you know, we all know pastors of small churches who end up with a, a huge amount of that work on their own plates. 
Um, and, and certainly sometimes that's necessary. Um, but we would, at least I would see the ideal as, as uh, the deacons serving the, the church by freeing the, the session uh, to their spiritual office. And even jumping back to just dovetailing off of that a little bit, Tim, just going back to Acts 6, what happened there was it wasn't only just, it was twofold, right? It was it was ensuring that the care of the, of the poor and needy was ta- happening, but it was also alleviating the, the, these temporal concerns b- being alleviated from the concerns of the elders. And so it really was twofold. And that, and that is, you know, very much what hopefully continues in our churches. Um, one of the, one of the, one of, one of the things that I like to, uh, caution deacons is is that oftentimes property matters can consume and overly consume such that we neglect the people. Yeah. And I think that mercy is something that you demonstrate towards people, not property. Mm. And so the, that that people versus property distinction is, I think, always important and something I'd like I'd love to see deacons grow in their in their focus of of, of people and less on property. Property will always consume, um, and sometimes property is a little bit easier to deal with than people. That's right. <laughs> it doesn't talk back. It does. It does what you tell it yes. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get itself yeah. into um, moral catastrophes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, one thing um, I, 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 I've told the, the the deacons and the elders at the church I serve. I've told them this a couple of times, which is, and, and in all sincerity, which is. If um, if I was a, a layman and and not employed by the church, making my living from the gospel, as Paul says, if I was, I don't, I want to say that I would, but I'm not sure that I'd be willing to volunteer the kind of time that the men I see on our session and on our diaconate, the kind of time I see them volunteer. I I want to believe I would. I'm not sure I would, and and I say that. Um, not just in a sober assessment of myself, but when I see the the men I serve with are guys who serve the church. I mean, it's, Mm. I mean, it, it's moving to me. It's genuinely moving to me the way I see these guys serve the church. And, you know, we think of elders oftentimes, you know, they're involved in church discipline cases and in catastrophes in people's lives. Our deacons are neck deep in catastrophes in people's lives too, because when there are various needs where certain, you know, rent, bills, financial, you, you always inevitably, as, as those deacons are assessing these individuals' needs, there's always inevitably, and Tim, you alluded to this earlier, there's a spiritual component to that. There's relational components to that. And so frequently, on a weekly basis, our, our deacons are having to navigate kind of emotionally, spiritually demanding situations in people's lives, which is exhausting at times. It's exhausting spiritually. Sometimes it's physically exhausting because it takes so much time and you have to be at the church yet again for another meeting in the evening to figure out X, Y, and Z. I want to ask both of you brothers, um, how do you you care? What are the main components for, for, for you caring for your own spiritual life? Um, tending the uh the garden of your family so to speak what 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 are things that you do to keep yourself um 
where, where you need to be spiritually because it is exhausting. The, the, the enemy hates the church. And so who, who's he going to target? Well, everybody, but, but particularly the men who are called to sacred office. So how do you, how do you stay tenderhearted? What are, what are the, the, the components that go into to your continuing to have the spiritual energy to do what you do? Do you mind if I go back to uh, Carl's question first? I don't mind. <laughs> so uh, with regards to just, uh, Carl, you were asking about what we do denomination level. And as Presbyterian Church, we're, we're a connected body. You know, we talk about the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is one church. There's many local churches, but it's really we're one church. And so I like to say the diaconal ministry is predominantly local. That's predominantly where deacons are serving. They're they're serving local. But there are needs that sometimes exceed the capacity of a local church. Example, that is a disaster, which is typically a regional event. And that is where you've got multiple churches affected or or a church affected in a in a in, of a magnitude that's beyond the scope of that of that one co- congregation to respond to, and so that's where helpfully the OPC established again all the way back to almost the beginning of the OPC in 1947 established the Committee on Diaconal Ministries to <clears throat> with a mandate to um, oversee those areas of need that exceed the province of a local church. And so, <clears throat> so that we serve to coordinate the diaconal ministry. We serve to coordinate deacons. Um, that happens in the area of disaster response. That happens in encouraging deacons. We've, um, we've been able to have uh, national conferences for deacons. Um, We've worked to establish that network even in through our presbyteries. So every presbytery has a diaconal committee, and that committee is our connection to the local deacons. Um, and we encourage presbyteries to be reaching out to their deacons, to hold conferences for their deacons, network their deacons. Um, you know, a lot of times our our pastors and our elders um, get to know each other through presbytery meetings. But our deacons don't have an avenue to get to know one another. And so we oftentimes joke about that the deacons have to fly to a national conference in Chicago to meet the deacon 20 miles down the road. And that's certainly been the experience of many. And But the, our sense is that the more that our deacons are connected, <clears throat> the better that they can serve the whole church. And uh, and we've begun to, you know, slowly by slowly see that that happen. Um, if there's needs in a local church that exceed the capacity of the local church, the deacons can bubble up that need to the Presbytery Diaconal Committee, and the diac- Presbytery Diaconal Committee can spread that need across the, the, the diaconal resources of the whole presbytery, and uh, where the whole presbytery is essentially meeting the needs in one church. Again, disaster response is a helpful example of that, but that happens in, in other you know, in the life of a family who's going through a tremendous um, uh, a, a, a crisis um, where they can't work or that type of thing. So it's just, I th- I've, it's in my, from what I've seen, it's just been a beautiful picture of Presbyterianism in action, where it's not just we're meeting together to, you know, for um, difficult spiritual matters, but um, we're meeting together to minister 
through love and compassion towards one another. So um, that a little bit of answering Carl's previous question. Tim, going to Todd's question, how do you keep yourself spiritually vital? Uh, Being an office bear in the church, uh, certainly as an elder or pastor, when you know what's really going on can be very, very depressing Mm -hmm. uh, and make you very cynical if you're not careful. How do you uh, keep yourself spiritually vibrant and and sensitive? Going to start, Tim? Yeah, I mean, everyone describes me as vibrant and sensitive, so I can't answer that question. <laughs> the, the gun cabinet would certainly indicate that, I think. Um, uh, so I've served as a deacon now for 10-plus years, um, and particularly remember this in the early days of a deacon, sitting in church and feeling, as a deacon, the sense of responsibility just to make sure that you know everyone was okay, everyone was comfortable, everyone was safe. Um, things are working the way they should, as well as, um, looking around the church and realizing I knew more about people than I'd ever known before. And sometimes you learn things about people you wish you hadn't learned about them. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, a, a big answer to this question has been, uh, learning the, the discipline and diligence to be able to be attentive on the Lord's day and worshiping him and not allowing all those distractions to pull me away. Uh, right. At the time I was single. Now I have three, almost four little kids. So I have plenty of other, other distractions. <laughs> um, but uh, the diaconal needs um, needed to not um, remove the need for me to come and sit at my savior's feet and, and worship yeah. him and, and hear from his word. Um, so that's certainly been a, a big thing, a practical way. Our diaconate has worked with that over the years has been, um, as David described, delegating some of the things that we were responsible for on Sundays to others in the church um, so that we just didn't have to be busy, busy, busy all the time yeah. on Sunday. I, I think on a, on a personal level, um, uh, the, the fellowship that we have, my church is blessed with, with five deacons and just the fellowship we have one another to encourage one another and to know the the struggles each other has. And I think you can sometimes see the cynicism arise in, in your brother and you, we can take turns uh, giving each other a kick in the pants when, mm. when uh, we're facing that. And, and at home, you know, in personal worship and family worship, um, you know, besides just the general benefit of that, just really studying the character of our Lord and Savior and and recognizing the love that he had and, and the calling that we've been to, to follow in his his footsteps. Yeah. And realize the the sacrifice we've been um, asked to give is is nothing compared to his mm. um, is is really helpful for me to to remember the very spiritual aspect of this office and the and the kind of the Christward direction of, of this office mm-hmm. is something that I try to, to keep in front of my mind. That's good. It's helpful. Thank you, David. Same question. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Emulating the Deacon of Deacons is as, as Tim's alluding to is, um, is a great privilege for, for deacons to seek to um, demonstrate that before the flock, even in, in their service. Mm-hmm. I, I think that um, ministry or serving in the church, whether as a, as a deacon, elder, or pa- pastor, minister, teaching elder, is w- one of the biggest, uh, the qualifications is to manage your own household well. 
And I think that um, probably the most likely way to disqualify yourself for ministry is to lose sight of that. Mm. Um, and managing your household well uh, manifests itself in in physical ways, um, just just orderliness, um, being organized, organized with your time, organized with your property, organized with your finances. Mm-hmm. But there's also a spiritual side of that too, and um, and I and I think that attentiveness to that, not losing sight of that, yeah. is 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 very important. Yeah, you know, one one really important thing that churches can do is provide good training for deacons. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't think enough can be said about how vital that is. It's vital for elders. It's vital for deacons. W- what have you brothers seen has been most helpful, and that you would encourage churches to do as they think about deacon training? What do you think is what? What do you think are like essential components to that? Either one of you can go first. Tim. Uh, this is a topic that's uh, on our our minds. We David and I, uh, with a couple other men, serve on the diaconal training subcommittee uh, of our committee on diaconal ministries, and um, are thinking a lot and have been thinking even before my time on the committee how how to encourage our churches, provide resources for them. Um, I something we often recommend to people, if nothing else, um, get your deacons or your prospective deacons to read Van Dam's book, The Deacon. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we've interviewed him uh, on, on our podcast, which I guess we haven't mentioned. We also have a podcast from our committee. Mm-hmm. Um, That's Jean-Claude Van Damme, by the way. He wrote an yeah, excellent Van Damme. on deacons. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I think that's kind of a single resource if, if on the diaconate. That's really the best resource. Mm-hmm. Um, we, as David mentioned, do um, uh, these these conferences at a denominational level. Uh, one of the things that's come out of that is many of those um, conferences have been recorded. Lectures and other resources are available on our website, opccdm.org, that uh, you know men can go through together, uh, sit and, and watch a talk together, or watch it at home and come together and discuss that. We've we've covered a huge breadth of topics, and there's a lot of a lot of good material uh, from a, from a variety of speakers. Um, available there. And um, in the last year and a half, I guess we've started this podcast called the Reformed Deacon. Uh, as, as far as we know, the first kind of podcast oriented towards um, deacons in this reformed tradition. And it's, I think it's in minimal ways, OPC specific. Uh, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be very applicable across um, denominations, even non-Presbyterian denominations. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're having a, a whole variety of topics that come out, uh, monthly, uh, episodes that come out monthly or sometimes even more frequently uh, on various, uh, diaconal matters. Um, so I, I think that maybe doesn't perfectly answer to what do churches do, but we're trying to produce resources yeah. and, uh, and point people in the right direction. And, um, I think we have interests in the future of how to, maybe even make that more organized and systematic for people. Um, it's, it's on our minds. And if people want to talk about that, we'd, we'd love to get in touch and, and talk about what churches need. Did I miss anything, David? No, that's, that's great. That's a good summary. OPCCDM.org, lots of resources mm-hmm. there. And the, and the podcast are both helpful resources. And it's an area we're definitely interested in working on as well. Yeah. And and I would just emphasize what you what you mentioned earlier, Tim, that I'm quite sure that whether you're, 
Presbyterian or Baptist, whether you're OPC, PCA, or Southern Baptist, there's going to be plenty of information there that's applicable across the board in terms of how deacons function well. I mean, in any in any healthy church, whether you're a Baptist church or a Presbyterian church, you're going to have deacons doing what Scripture calls them to do. And so I, I, I'm quite certain that the materials you men uh, have referenced here will be helpful to a broad range of of churches and a broad number of 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 men who are really wanting to be equipped well and really glad you're doing that um I, you know just in in wrapping up I, w- I would just say um church um be thankful for your for your deacons pray for these brothers mm. um you know we we do hear a lot pray for your elders pray for your pastors please keep doing that but pray for your deacons um again this is a a christ given office to the church that means, among other things, these brothers need to be held up in prayer. Um, if you are a church with faithful deacons, you are blessed. And oftentimes you may not always recognize the work of your deacons because they're not up leading elements of worship. They're making sure that the building's in working order, that the family in crisis has the, uh, um, uh, the, the, the needed resources. They're doing so many things that are not trumpeted because a lot of things they do have to be kind of held in confidence. Um, for the sake of families and that sort of thing. Um, so I guarantee they're doing more than you're aware of. So pray for mm-hmm. them, encourage them, give thanks to God for them. Um, you, you, church, you'd be amazed at how far an encouraging word on a Sunday morning goes. And uh, these brothers uh, would 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 be very much appreciative of that, I'm sure. And, and uh, David and Tim, we're thankful for your ministry as deacons, as a man who weekly benefits from the labors of the deacons of the church I belong to. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that um, there's lots and lots of pastors out there who, who feel the same way. So thank you um, for being with us, uh, David Nakla and, and Tim uh, Hopper of the OPC. You know, the OPC is doing some good things out there, Carl. I don't know if you're aware of this, but, you know, <laughs> the OPC is doing a few good things out there, you know. I mean, it's not the PCA, but you're still doing some good things. And uh, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're grateful for uh, the partnership in the gospel. Um, if you're one of our listeners, please go to our website, mortificationofspin.org. If you'd like to, uh, uh, to make a donation to the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals so that they can continue to provide good content for you, please do that. And again, thanks uh, to, uh, to David Nakla and, and Tim Hopper, our guests. Um, really appreciate the conversation. And uh, to our listeners, thank you so much for being with us. And we look forward to being with you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. For more on topics like this, visit mortificationofspin.org, where you can find other articles by Carl and Todd, browse the archive of past episodes, and make a donation. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. Mortification of Spin.